cliffcentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on clivecentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. Cliffcentral.com. Yep, it's Masters Week. This is the most exciting week in golf. It's the week that I've been looking forward to since, well, this time last year. Love the Masters. As you know, if you follow me on Twitter at Follow the Bounce, you may have noticed that there's been articles, there's been banter, there's been all kinds of things. And today is the start, right now on Thursday. How bloody exciting. Uh, in order to kind of get you in the Masters mood, I've got a great golf interview for you today. Mark Immelman is a guy that I've been following on Twitter for quite a long time. It's a guy who's got a really good podcast I listen to every single week. We're not going to go too much into the Masters because, you know, when I get a guy as as quality as, as Mark is on the golfing front, I'm not going to wear him down with, like, you know, predictions and all that kind of stuff. We're talking in golf. We're talking all about different kinds of golf, uh, tuition, what makes the champions great. Just a really, really good guy to talk to. I mean, I could talk to him for hours, but that is going to be about half an hour. You know, I absolutely love podcasts. So today I've got a special treat for you. I've got Mark Immelman from the On The Mark podcast. Now, you might recognize the name. Of course, Mark is brother to Trevor Immelman, who is the 2008 Masters champion. And uh, a reason why I really love Mark's podcast is because I sort of made a claim a couple of months ago that I'm going to become a scratch golfer. I've been you know, messing around you know, on a handicap of four, five, six over the last couple of years. So Mark's podcast is both insightful, entertaining, and he has such an amazing array of guests that I always feel like I'm going to the range and I'm going to absolutely crush it after listening to his podcast. Mark, thanks so much for joining me. I know your time is pretty scarce with all your many responsibilities, but yeah, great to have you on the line. Oh, thanks, Ben. Nice to be with you. Hey, listening to that uh, beautiful setup there, Ben, I trust that your handicap is going down after listening to this podcast. Well, yeah, so I've got it at four um, because you know, I'm, a, I'm a freelance sports guy. I, I do the morning show here on Cliff Central. And then from there, my time is what it is. You know, I can do maybe three hours of writing or I've got a few meetings. There's no excuse. I should be at the range. I should be using all, all your great insights and I should be getting better. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you downloading. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is for me, that podcast is it came on a bit of a serendipitous whim, really. And, and thankfully. Thankfully, I have these relationships on the PGA Tour through my work out there. And so, you know, we're managing to, to get some really neat guests. I mean, I've got some cool guests lined up here for the next little while. I mean, I'll have Steve Stricker speaking about wedge play and putting, and Patrick Reed's going to come on, and we're going to talk about playing under pressure. And then you've got all these great teachers around the world that, you know, now that we, we, we're getting this following that we are, we're kind of getting requests from the teachers to get on because obviously everyone's looking to try and get their message out and stuff. And and I'm just digging it because I'm getting to bring all of our fans and all the folks that download the podcast, you know, all different sides of the spectrum. Because my one beef as a golf teacher is that, you know, there's all this information, but I don't think everyone really understands what might pertain to them or understands the real in-depth of it. So getting to bring these folks on, getting to bring everyone um, who listens and downloads many different sides to the story so that they can sift through the stuff and make their own savvy decisions has been a great uh, a, a lot of joy for me 
Well, I'm sure you get this a lot, but the reason I love your podcast in particular is that I can listen to something and it goes in and it stays in. There is so much golf tuition out there and golfing stuff that, you know, I can see why people think this game is so intimidating because mm. there is so much you can get lost in. But Mark, before we get into the actual podcast itself, I just want to run by it like how you actually kind of got to where you are. I mean, you grew up in Somerset West in the Cape, right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm a KP, uh, still a Western Province fan, Stormers fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, my wife Tracy and I, we've got two little girls. We live in in the United States in Columbus, Georgia, but we're both fiercely South African. So yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been an um, an, an unlikely journey. I, I grew up in Somerset West. I was a moderately successful golfer. Um, went to did my, my my share of time in the army, and then. Came to college in the States, and then next thing I was um, playing a little bit. So I played just a few events as a professional, but I got hired by IMG, and I worked in London and Johannesburg for a while. But I was always, you know, the on-the-grass guy instead of being in the office. And and uh, then I started teaching golf again and was teaching out in the European Tour. And and my, my alma mater, Columbus State University, reached out to me, and they offered me the job as the head golf coach back in 2000. Wow. And so... We came and checked it out, and I moved over here with Tracy in 2001. She's a Durban girl and was not digging the action of moving away from Durban, just incidentally. But but uh, she moved over here with me, thankfully, and we've been here since. And and through the college coaching, I've built a teaching academy. Uh, I've worked with a number of guys on the tour for a while, and then that morphed into some radio broadcast, which morphed into some television broadcast, which then turned into a live streaming show on PGATour.com last year called On The Mark. And then the tour are doing a really good job, in my opinion, and one of their goals is to make golf more accessible to the fans around the world. And so they came to me at the end of last year, 2016, and said, hey, uh, pardon me, 2015, and said, uh, hey, we want to change the streaming show to a podcast. And I'd never really, really been a podcast guy. And so I was like, fine, whatever, we'll do it. And so... The, the podcast, honestly, is one of the fun things I get to do because it's, as I say, it's I'm I'm getting more and more folks on, and, and I just love the fact that, to your point, you can download the thing, you can listen, you can rewind, you can take it with you, you can listen anywhere you like, and and it really is a cool way for sort of certain folks to share ideas around the globe. Yeah, well, there's two podcasts that I subscribe to. Okay, so it's your one, and then the No Laying Up podcast. So I'm getting a <laughs> so you know, so, yeah, Chris Solomon. He's a gem. I mean, that guy. He, he, he says to he, he says to us all because I interview him some. He says I'm a sports fanalist, and the worst thing you can do for Chris Solomon if you tweet him or something is and say, hey, you become a member of the media because he's picking up bigger guests than some of us. I mean, yeah, we've got Rory McIlroy on there and Jordan Spieth and stuff and. And, and, but but Sally's a great guy. He's a, a lot of fun. Um, he's actually just spent some time over in South Africa. He he, he texted me and he's like, "I'm going to go visit your homeland." And so I told him a few spots to go. But yeah, no laying up is lots of fun. Well, I, I, I like to talk with those boys. That's quite interesting because I actually met him in Cape Town. He was staying with I think a mutual friend, Barry Hovengar, in Cape Town. Yes, yes. So yes. I, actually, now that you mentioned that, uh, yeah, he uh, he actually mentioned that. He sent me a text. You guys were out drinking beers somewhere, and he texted yeah. me. He said he would be So I, I literally walked into this bar, and um, Barry goes, "Oh, there's this guy. He's staying with me. He's got this uh, podcast. I'm not sure if you listen to." It. I was like, "Yeah, that's one of my favorite podcasts." So um, <laughs> small world. Yeah. So between the between the two, um, like I was saying, like just that's the cool thing about podcasts as well is that you're getting like 
I've kind of just lost train of thought that you, you, you're kind of getting information to people that are very like, it's a lot more easier to use. So, you know, I can download a podcast and it's on my phone. I go to the range or I go for a run. And rather than thinking about other stuff, I get to think about the dynamics of a golf swing. But something I, I find that's kind of lacking in South Africa right now is this kind of stuff. So you go onto the USPGA mm-hmm. tour and I'm sure you know the ins and outs of all of this because you've become so integral to it. But there is so much information and all the role players are getting completely featured. Do you still keep in, in touch with like what's happening here in SA Golf or do you find that it's kind of a little bit behind the times as far as getting, you know, tournament information out, uh, player information out in comparison? Well, I, I try to stay abreast of what's going on in South Africa. Obviously, um, sadly, uh, I, I, I'm more familiar with what's happening um, through Charles and Louis and Brandon Grace and, and the guys that are playing Oviak, uh, Brandon Stone a little bit now. And and so that's kind of my ends. I, I do keep up on social media. I follow the Sunshine Tour. But in terms of the, the, the amateur golf, um, sadly, they, they, I don't think that the best job has been done of kind of informing the rest of the world where things are because there's so much talent in South Africa. And me as a college coach also – you know, the South Africans I have on the team are either kids that I've taught way back in the past or someone who's a lead from someone who's been on my team before because, you know, finding out information on some player who might be of intrigue to us here at the University of Columbus State is kind of hard. And so so, so there's the information that I get is coming in dribs and drabs a little bit. And, and to your point, I think having, you know, a little bit more access would be fine. But, you know, that being said, it's uh, it's hard for me to make an adequate comparison because here I'm in the United States and the reason why I moved here was I was a golf teacher and, you know, it's a very big market over here. And so for me, being a golf teacher, there was a bigger probability that I was likely to, you know, make a bit of a success of the thing. So it, it is what it is really in my, my, my estimations, but I, I have got a personal passion and that's why I love the podcast because I want to see the game in South Africa develop. And, and with the podcast, I feel like, um, you know, folks in South Africa can get some of my opinion if they're interested in it. Sure. Well, it's a wealth of knowledge as well. Now, obviously, you went the college route. Anybody who's worth their salt in the USPGA Tour obviously has done the same. If you're like a South African golfer, up-and-coming guy, and there's definitely some talent there, and you're looking to kind of finish school, what is the sort of process in order to try, you know, maybe attract the attention of, of say, a Columbus State or someone like that? Like, how I know it's a lot more competitive nowadays, but like, what could a local South African guy look to do in order to get into this sort of system? Well, the best advice I would have for anyone listening to this if they wanted to come to college is um, don't be sending – because I get masses of emails daily from folks where there's some guy that can shoot a decent score, score at his home club and he sends a video and stuff. And so my email just gets jammed up and things don't get looked at in a timeless fashion. I, I would say if you're a golfer out there and you know a young guy or girl – who's in university in the United States, touch base with them. And then, because they've got the coach's ear or the assistant coach's ear or whatever and say, hey, I want to get over here. And if and look, everyone wants to win. So if, if you're a player on a team over here and you'd like your team to be better and you've got a bud in South Africa, you feel like could crack the starting lineup and make a difference, you know, they're certainly going to go, well, hey, you know, they'll get in touch with the coach. So it's never a bad idea to try and access local contacts if you have. But if you don't... Um, Send an email, you know, pick an area you'd like to be in the United States, and I would recommend the southeast. Not because I'm here. It's just because you get better weather throughout the year. Sure. Um, 
California could also be good, but the, diff- the problem with California is it's another three time zones away from where I am. So right now, we are seven hours behind you guys, I think it is, with time change. So California is 10 hours behind. So, you know, if you want to communicate with family, it gets a bit rough. Um, mm-hmm. But California would be good also. But the southeast is good weather-wise. And so pick a few universities around here. Um, and don't be afraid to cast a wide net. Um, I think too often folks kind of pick a couple, three big schools. And then, you know, those, those guys are probably only going to – recruit you if they've seen you play and if you're playing in South Africa that's unlikely they've seen you play and so look at wide net look all over the show because there's a number of fantastic institutions where you'll get a fantastic education play some really top flight golf um, you know and some good events and then you'll be able to develop I mean we've, we've got a young man on our team who was recruited by one of the biggest universities in Texas that came to visit a German friend over here saw our practice facilities and decided he wanted to stay so you don't necessarily need to go to a big place to 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 have a successful career. But anyway, long-winded to say, pick a few universities, send a really punchy email, short, quick, with a really sharp catchphrase in the subject line. I can make you win, or just just something that's going to stand out <laughs> from the masses. Because as you know, it's you, you've just got to separate yourself somehow. Because yeah. if you're using the standard recruiting long form thing coaches are kind of having their eyes gloss over at certain times so with all your your coaching background obviously your love for the game and your time in the game i, I just kind of got reminded that you are a little bit older than me when you said you went to the army back in south africa like, <laughs> <laughs> i'm older than everyone but yeah. <laughs> so let's just let's just say for the last sort of 10 years like from a coaching perspective obviously seeing kids coming through the college ranks what are what's the sort of biggest changes that you've seen in the last sort of 10 years in the game of golf and that's quite a broad question but like, what are the sort of standout things you can comment on that? It is a broad question, but honestly, I mean, I will say without any reservation that the advent of technology has has kind of it's gotten onto hyperdrive here in in recent times. I mean, I think back to when I was a young teacher and we had just gotten a Sony video camera and and a desktop computer with some uh, software on there that allowed you to analyze a swing. I mean, now you're doing it on your mobile phone. And you can email it to some guy across the world in the blink of an eye. And then that's while you're hitting on your launch, your flat scope launch monitor, whatever, and getting real-time data on exactly how the club's performing through the ball and what the ball speeds and stuff are. So so that's where the big change is. I, I think it's it's certainly great. Um, I think it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, I, I think all of this information is – and this is, again, part of the origination and the genesis of my podcast because – you know, information is power, but if you don't understand this stuff, you could apply it incorrectly. So, so it, I, the, the big the big change has been technologically, and the big change is that folks have more at their disposal. I mean, I could sit you on YouTube and look at golf swings the entire day. When I was a young teacher researching golf swings, I was looking in magazines, reading old books, you know, calling in favors from folks who would, you know, loan me the little VHS tape, and I'd have to down, you know, tape the swing off there and have a look. So. So it's it's a lot easier nowadays to get information. But that being said, if you're not if you don't have your wits about you, it could be dangerous too. Well, one of the big things that always comes up when you talk about technology and obviously game improvement is this whole TrackMan thing. Now, mm-hmm. I was I was getting fit for a driver last week, and I was on TrackMan, and um, yeah, for the average person, it's quite daunting. But people are saying that you can improve your game on TrackMan. Um, I listened to a podcast earlier saying that people now know how to hit the ball further because of information they're getting from TrackMan. 
as someone who's obviously the, from a teaching perspective, is it, is it the be-all and end-all to have make this an integral part of your game nowadays? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I've just recorded uh, an interview with Steve Elkington, who South Africans will know. I mean, he played in the Million Dollar back in the day and won a PGA Championship in 95 and just one of the great swingers of all time. And, and uh, <laughs> a lot of our conversation was about the fact that this information is beneficial, certainly. But it doesn't mean you've got to have it to do well. He's like, so I said, share some lessons. And he goes, well, he learned from Jack Burke, who learned from Ben Hogan, that uh, they went and learned how to draw the ball by just standing behind a tree and bending the thing around a tree. Yeah. You know, instead of having some computer tell you where your numbers need to be. Because I get fearful that if you're seeing some number that says your path is five degrees right and the face is two degrees right and it should be one, then you're getting into the minutiae of the thing and all of a sudden – you take the athlete out of the, the the player, which is dangerous. So being able to set up golf clubs and maximize golf clubs, I think, is helpful. Um, but that being said, I mean, you hit four degrees. Some of the greats, like Jason Day, he tells me hits like four and a half, five degrees up on the driver. You know, when he's got to hit a shot under pressure, that final hole at the Players' Championship for argument sex, where there's water down the left and yeah. rough on the right, he's not hitting four degrees up. He's pinching about three down to squeeze a low fade into the fairway there to make sure the shot survives. So, so you see, there's to, to me, there's a point of diminishing returns to everything. And I think, folks, it's such sexy stuff that I feel like people can lose the forest for the tree. So, again, to get back to my On The Mark podcast, you better go in with eyes wide open because you could get taken down the garden, uh, the garden path in a hurry. Uh, again, like another big thing that comes up, um, had an interview recently with Garth Milne from I Want to Be a Champion. Uh, yes. um, yeah, he, he's another kind of guy, you know, if I didn't watch the time, we probably could have chatted for a couple of hours. And obviously, <laughs> you know, his big focus is on the whole physical side of it. And he, you know, he works on getting a physical handicap for people. Again, from like the sort of college level, um, you know, is there like a lot of conditioning that comes into these things or do people kind of arrive at that stage in their golfing careers knowing that kind of stuff already? No, there's a lot of conditioning. Um, you know, I, I, I could argue on both sides of the coin here, but I would say that, you know, if you're wanting to compete at the highest level, you, you've got to level the playing fields. And so, you know, to compete against Dustin Johnson or Tiger Woods or whoever it might be, if they're working out, you know, you need to be working out as well. Not just because you might hit the ball further. For me nowadays, I think it's more for just overall longevity. Because the game's changed. You know, back in the day, guys didn't hit the ball that hard. They didn't practice as much. So they weren't putting the torque and the stress on their body like you are nowadays. Sure. Now, the modern golf ball needs a serious shot of juice up its rear end to make it really stay in the air because it doesn't spin as much. So you're having to swing harder. So you're swinging harder many more times during the day. You're hitting the ground and such. So your body's enduring a lot more force and a lot more torque than it used to or the, the current golfer. So... With that being said, being in decent shape is almost necessary to have a long career. Now, if it was Craig Stadler back in the nineteen late the early eighties, not as much because you know they didn't hit the ball as hard. So it's becoming mandatory, if you will, right now. Um, but I, again, I think it can be overdone. Certain folks have, and certain folks have figured out the the recipe for their success. And I think that's where the key lies: is to do what's best going to benefit you. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's like, you know, if you just get good core strength and you do some deadlifts and some squats and that kind of stuff, it's just some basic, you don't have to get too hectic into it. Like, obviously, when you think of people, things have gone wrong physically, you know, Hank Haney's book around Tiger, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, all the training he did and the, all the knee injuries he had. Obviously, that comes into conversation. Um, I don't want to get to Tiger well, just, well, just yet. If I can add something there real quick, you know, all of the great trainers I've t- I, I talked with and I work with, you know, that a lot of them aren't using heavy weights anymore. They're all using like body weights and stretching bands and stuff like that, where it's, you know, you're building strength, but you're also remain, uh, retaining flexibility because yeah. – you know, if if you give up flexibility, your golf swing is going to go in the tank. So uh, you, you've got to be you've got to be a bit careful. Now, there's a time and a place for deadlifts, which I think are the most important exercise. But you know, there are also things like planks and 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 side bends and these sorts of things that you can do that will do your golf swing a service. Exactly. Well, like, with every golf interview at the moment, Tiger is going to come up, but I'll lay off just for a little bit. <laughs> Um, if, if you look at golf right now, like I, I'm a big believer in that we should always look to the future. And uh, there's some really great, great names in golf right now. Golf's in a great place where the, from a variety of countries, there's huge amounts of talent. Name mm-hmm. like three, three golfers that right now who are really impressing you and, and why you look forward to watching them. Of the current crop or potentials for the future? Yeah, I mean, like anyone from, from, from Dustin downwards. I mean, what three golfers are really, do you feel, are making golf exciting again? Well, um, well, look, you, to, to bring up Tiger, there's no doubt. I work on a PGA tour. When Tiger's at an event, there's a, it's, it's different. There's a different energy. You know, there's a, the, the media center. There's more media folk. You know, there's more interest now. Even it, it, even it, even to this day, there's still that. Oh yeah, well it's it's kind of it's, it's getting to be like a NASCAR race to me, you know, where fifty percent of the folks go to watch the driving skill and fifty percent come there to drink beer and watch crashes. So, <laughs> so so there's a bit of that on the go over there. But but Tiger still moves the needle. Phil still moves the needle. Um, Dustin Johnson, I'll share this with your listeners. Um, I spoke with Butch Harmon, who has worked with Greg Norman, Sevi uh, Ballesteros, Dave's Love, uh, Tiger Woods. He's worked with all these guys at the top of the game. He says Dustin Johnson's by far and away the most talented individual he's ever worked with, which is a big statement. Um, and Dustin's figured out Dustin Johnson. You know, he's he's got a nice blend of personal life and work life going on. But I've got to tell you this, the Dustin Johnson from two years ago that I knew and the Dustin Johnson I know now, they are wildly different people in terms of application and discipline. Dustin is a machine right now and... I don't, I don't see things stopping. I really don't. Um, Rory McIlroy for me is, and, and with love to my brother, <laughs> Rory McIlroy is my favorite golfer to watch. I mean, he plays the game with just an uninhibited and free abandon. And, and when he's on, I, I think he's the most talented golfer on the planet. Dustin has got Rory for size and stuff, so it, it's a bit of an unfair fight if it was a boxing match. But when McIlroy is going on, I don't think there's anyone like him. Um, Jason Day is tremendous, although he's kind of injury prone, a bit like Tiger. Um, but when Jason Day is at his best, he he plays the game that reminds me of a Jack Nicklaus. I mean, he hits it higher than most, and so uh, at a major championship, which is how they measure themselves, their whole location is that with his power and the trajectory he hits, that he can attack where other folks can't. Um, then I think of Jordan Spieth. I mean, look, if if you could mould. Rory's talent with Jordan's short game I think you'd have the answer <laughs> pretty much <laughs> um, Spieth is unreal around the greens and all of these guys have got a real competitive instinct obviously um, but Spieth is just he, he's, he's a click above the rest when it comes to competitiveness I mean you could sense the fact that 
He's going to smile at you and shake your hand and be friendly, but he wants to grind you into the ground. I mean, his competitive instincts are unbelievable. And so you can never count him out because he will find a way to compete with these guys. And that's not necessarily anything at Longo. And then of the youngsters coming through, I mean, there are a few um, that, that sort of catch one's eye. But you've a, a lot of the problem with the youngsters, because there's a lot of talent at the college level right now, and there's a lot of talent in Korea. I mean, I said this a few years ago to folks where I said I felt like the Korean men was the next next place to look. And they suddenly now come through because they're figuring them, they're figuring it out like the women have. So there's a lot of young talent coming through. But the key for those folks is you never really know. So what they've got to do is continue to remain true to themselves because the first thing typically that happens when a player gets on the tour is they see the Tigers and the Dustins and the Rorys and all of a sudden they feel like they've got to do something different to be competitive mm. and then they get away from their golf DNA, which is disastrous. I mean, I've seen it happen more than once where someone's trying to do something that they can't necessarily do under pressure. And so I can't really comment on the future, but suffice to say there's a bunch of talent out there right now. There really is a lot there. Just picking up on that, on Roy McIlroy. So obviously, you know, he was at Glendower this year for the SA Open. Oh, cool, yeah. And I, I've I've watched a lot of sport live. Like I've watched rugby World Cups, football World Cups. I, I've I've had a pretty good run on this whole sport thing. But standing inside the ropes that week was pretty much my my best sporting experience. <laughs> Like obviously, I, I love it's golf. Sexy, doesn't it? Yeah, like, it I makes was, golf really like, sexy. Like, I, I I love golf, and a lot of people who maybe read my site can't can't quite match that. But there is there's like this absolute hush, and this guy is standing over the ball, and he's you know, he's obviously south of six foot. He's not the biggest guy on earth, but how like how amazing the, the presence that he has. I mean, I battle to really kind of verbalize this, and when he hits that ball, it makes a different sound. Like the gallery is so engaged. It's just, it's amazing. And, you know, it's just like you're in America, so you get to go to these big events all the time. The, the fact that there was just like this one, one chance for South Africans to see it, it was so special. And I just I really hope that more guys can come out. Well, um, I actually said, thank, I actually said thank you to him at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, I covered him for four days there. And, and so with PGA to Alive, we we have feature group coverage and obviously he was in feature group coverage and so I was on the course covering him and and to you, you're right to your point I mean he's got gears that are unbelievable and he hits shots that uh, kind of make my eyes stand out on stalks and I have to be careful of the language I use to describe these things <laughs> <laughs> on the international media but so I, but I said to him I'm like Rory I appreciate you for going over to South Africa and he was like had a great time loved it over there he had played in South Africa before as a young professional but you know I was so amped up to see when he was in the field there at the South African Open it's such a great golf course and 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 I was happy so happy to see the South African fans turn out like they did because it, it was I'm sure it was worthwhile well that Thursday morning I was there at like 7 a.m. and the 10th hole at Glendale was lined it was Packed, yeah. it was amazing so it, it is it is Masters week and of course with that everyone will always talk about Tiger this is one event he can come back to obviously right now that's not the big conversation but if you were again just using your sort of coaching expertise and understanding of the game everyone's speculating about what is Tiger's next move. You know, is there anything that, that you can see that maybe would be his, like the way forward for him, you know, in keeping with all the troubles that he has had physically and obviously now mentally? Like if you were to prescribe anything, like what could you say to the guy? Well, honestly, I really don't know because nobody, I mean, Tiger's most candid interview with our press corps or our media contingent came, well, not the last year of World Challenge, the one before where, you know, he basically sat there and 
and was, I, I dare say, honest for the first time ever, um, where he said, look, I really don't know myself. I, I don't know from day to day. Um, I did have a chat with Noda Gay, who's a dear friend of Tiger's. Yeah. Um, in fact, at, at, in, in Orlando, at the Arnold Palmer, and, and I said, so what's the story, Noda? And he gave me the political answer, and I was like, no, 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 for real. And he said, Tiger's doing better. Um, they're going to start practicing, and this was a few weeks ago, because they're going to start practicing tomorrow and kind of assess where things are. Um, so it, it's all a function of Tiger and his health. I mean, three back surgeries is not to be to be scoffed at sure. at all. Yeah. Um, Any sport. If, if you think about that too, now there's this guy who's 40 now, um, who's that, that's his chronological age. I mean, his body is like 50. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, as a 46 year old, and anyone listening here. I wake up injured in the morning. I don't know what I've done in my sleep, but it, you know, you're not the person that you once were, and then you're competing with a Dustin Johnson, who is like a—he's just a beast. And so, they're playing a different game. And I think if I had to advise Tiger, I would say to him, "You have all this wile, this, all these smarts, all this competitive instinct that you have. You need to now realize, and this is again my opinion. You need to realize that." You've got to play your game now and play a different game. You can't play the game that you did when you were 20 and dominating because you're not 20. Mm. So I would say, to use a, a cricketing analogy, perhaps, you know, he, play, he needs to play a little bit of a small ball. You know, he's not going to be swinging for the fences as much. Sure. You know, he needs to do, you know, puck balls around the leg side and, and kind of just take quick singles and stuff like that because with his instinct and with his guile and, and the savvy that he has as a golfer, you know, he can still compete. But, but he's got to be prepared to go there mentally. And, and that, I think, given... I mean, think of a person who's been on top of the world for as long as what he was. To be able to say, well, eh, I'm not so sure I can hang with these boys anymore. I'm going to do it a different way. That, I think, is going to be the biggest mental battle there is. Yeah, exactly. Because the way he saw the game was always different to how everyone else saw the game. Now he yeah, has he to played, kind of... He played the Dustin Johnson game back in the day, honestly. Well, exactly. I was watching some clips the other day. You know, there was... I think it's... um. Scratch, those guys do amazing things on social media. They had this, <laughs> this little montage of Tiger literally just walking after shots he's hit. So like 260 yard two irons and he's just giving it the walkthrough. Like it, it, it must be so difficult to look down at a club and go, okay, I used to hit this 260 with a high cut to about six foot. I'm hopefully going to squeak this out at about 230 with a bit of run. Like it's just got to play with your mind. I'm, I'm, I, to your point, I'm going to say this. Tiger was fanatically disciplined then. I don't think that discipline goes away. I, I, th I think it's I think it's marrying that discipline with the ego, and and, yeah. and when you do that, uh, I think he'll he'll be able to you know make make a show on the leaderboard. Now, will he dominate again? No, I'd, I'd be prepared to stake my mortgage on the fact that that won't happen. <laughs> but he still has the guile and the, the savvy and the smarts and such. When he captures it physically, uh, he'll still be able to, to compete with these guys. But I think it's a great lesson for all golfers, no matter what your level. If you can sort of get your expectations on the right level, you'll be the best golfer you can be. Like I've seen so many people who come out into like corporate days or whatever, throwing clubs, swearing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, those guys, you never see them on the range, though. So where these expectations come from, I have no idea. Well, you know what? I, here's my college coach insight for you. You know, when I see some kid you know, going on a little bit, you know, I, I look at this from a different lens now. You know, when I was a younger coach, I would get a bit irate at this thing. But now I see just a young person trying to convince people around him or her that they're better than they actually do. Mm. And so they, if you if you show emotion, you're like, well, I, I'm better than that. The truth of the matter is, though, as I will look at that, I will then go and spend time with that individual and explain to them how golf really works. You know, not the hitting of the ball. 
the playing of the game yeah. and how long a round of golf is and how, you know, one shot that might appear like it's disastrous and world-changing is just one in the space of 72 or 288 if you're playing a four-round tournament and such. So so it's I, I see folks trying to convince you they're better than what they are, but those people should rather just think of, hey, whether I hit this thing good or bad, I've got to go and hit shot number whatever it is after this one. So exactly. it's going to be defined exactly. by the next shot I deliver. Also talking about Masters with you, obviously it's quite a bittersweet thing, you know, with your brother winning in 2008. Do you still, you know, in the, I saw a great video online of how, you know, 2008 you felt that Trevor's game needed a bit of edge and putting and you gave him some tips, you had a bit of a chat and then from there obviously he had the week of his life. <laughs> you know, he, he's been so like unlucky with the injuries and of course you, it goes from physical to mental like it must be quite difficult being a brother and obviously having the family tie are you still involved in his game at all you know does he ever sort of seek um guidance from you and that kind of stuff um at times i, I i'm i'm not he's, he's he's currently working with david ledbetter again which i'm I've, I've given my blessing to um because led's like a mentor to the both of us and led's been around there you know, throughout, he's seen Trevor grow up, basically. So like me, he, he understands Trevor the individual, and it's not just Trevor a golf swing or putting right. stroke in front of him. So so I'm happy about that. But in terms of seeking counsel, Will Moore, just when I was with him here recently, we just, just talk about golf. You know, we, we talk about competition. He might, you know, share one or two insights about what he's doing. But but I I, I let him ask. I don't, I don't forge opinion because I fear that, I, I don't want to be the one who cares for him that much, be ruining him because I'm offering unwarranted opinion. Because sure. then you cast a seed of doubt in there, and I'd rather him be convinced about what he's doing than doubtful. So you know, we just talk golf. We talk about golf courses and players, and and he'll tell me what he's doing. I, I've got to say this for the fans out there: his game is starting to look very sharp again, and uh, you know, I, I feel like he's on the right track. So. I think it's imminent that he starts, you know, putting up some good scores again, and 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 he's getting a bit of a swagger about him again. You know, previously, I'm not so sure he was wanting to compete very much. You know, he's a successful guy who's got business interests and such as well, and 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 he could do whatever he wanted and be successful. But but I, I'm gleaning from him that this golf thing is still a is still a big deal for him, and he's working hard, and he's healthy, and he's on the right track, in my opinion. So so I feel like success is imminent. That's that's so encouraging to hear because, you know, for for a guy who was so like when I grew up, I was what I finished school in 1999 and grew up in the Cape. If you had any golfing story whatsoever, like Trevor was like the everything. He was, he was like the biggest name in there since well Ernie Els and obviously since Mr. Gary Player from there. Um, okay, I've I've had a really great chat and it's already been so long. I know you time. Worries, man. Time isn't really on the side here. Just finishing up on the Masters, like, what are you going to be involved at all with the broadcasting? Um, you know, are you covering certain aspects of the Masters this coming week or this this week? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm hired by CBS this week. Um, obviously, CBS have the big show, which you will see on television, whatever your channel is over there. CBS provide the feed and the announcers and stuff um, on, on the weekend. They've also got other channels, like they've got the Driving Range show, which I'm a part of, that runs from Monday through Sunday. And they've got cameras on the driving range. They've got launch monitors and stuff. And we basically just sit there for a few hours and we talk about players and analyze golf swings and, and that sort of thing. So if you're into that sort of stuff, uh, I think it might be available on masters.com. It's also available on direct TV over here. So uh, I'm on the driving range channel. And then I'm also 
an analyst on the feature group channel that they have, which they've got a few. They've got, uh, I think it's three or four feature groups they cover each day. So I'll be I'll be an announcer. Um, one the one I sort of sit in the golf swing analyst role, and the other I'm kind of the the guy that sits. I'm like the Nick Feldo to Jim Nance on 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 their big on their big show. I think out of all the sporting events left in this world, like like I said, I, I've had a pretty good run so far. The one thing left in the bucket list is um, the Masters. It just has to be. And like, is it is it, <laughs> is it still so special for you when you go there? Yeah. I uh, yes yes. Uh, I'm, I'm dear friends with a few folks who are members there. And the one gentleman shared with me something that I'll share with you. And he says to me, every time I go there, I feel so fortunate and I feel like I've jumped the fence. And I want to say to you that every time I get to go to Augusta National or to the Masters or whatever it might be, it is that special a place that I feel like I don't belong. I mean, it is, it's, I, I, I hate, I, I, it may sound obnoxious, but but I'm I'm trying to have your listeners understand that this is such a special place. It's such a special event. I mean, it, it's rich in tradition. Um, it, it is a true bucket list thing, and, and I am very, 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 very fortunate to get to go there uh, fairly often. Wow. And um, my final question before I let you go is, with golf being such a massive part of your life and you're doing so many different things, whether it be broadcasting or the coaching, how much do you actually get to play? <laughs> Not very much. I played twice this year, um, and uh, the one time was pretty good, and the one time was pretty freaking awful. So, so I, 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 I've got a great future behind me. I'm, I, I talk a super game because I was so good back in the day, according to me. Um, but no, I don't get to play very much. I am. I did have the bug sort of nibble me when I played well the other day again, but then um, that thing was quickly put to bed when I didn't play so well a few days later. Um, but, but, but for me, honestly, I, I derive such great joy from helping folks with their game. It's, I'm, someone asked me the other day about the broadcast. I'm like, come on, man, I, I get paid to cover the biggest PGA, the, the biggest professional golf tour in the world to talk about it. I'm like, how good is this? So, so I, I get my golf fix. I just get it in different ways. Okay, well, before I get any more jealous from the life that you are leading, uh, now's the time to plug. <laughs> now's that time to plug. However, we can find you online, so people can always catch up on the podcast and everything else you're doing. Well, follow me on Twitter. I'm at uh, at Mark underscore Immelman, or the podcast is at uh, Radio on the Mark, I think, or <laughs> whatever it is. Just search on the Mark podcast. You'll find it. Um, or go to pgatour.com slash podcasts. You can find them over there. I've got, uh, there's a website, pgatour.com slash on the mark. I've also got a website, markimmelman.com. Or if you're on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn, just go there and search um, PGA Tour or PGA Tour on the mark, and you'll find the podcast and go ahead and subscribe there, please. Fantastic. Well, Mark, I am playing the podcast game here. I tell people all the time to get it on their phones, get it into their lives. Podcasts are amazing, and I think what you're doing is fantastic. And uh, best of luck with Masters Week. I hope it's as much thanks. fun as it always has been. Yeah, thanks, brother. It's been a good. It's been a real honor to be on your show. I appreciate you. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining me this week on the Bounce Show in the New Time Slot. It'll be Thursday, 10 a.m. South African time here on Cliff Central Live every single week going forward. So if you want me to interview anybody in particular, you got any other suggestions, please. I'm always all ears and all emails, ben at thebounce.co.za. Have a great Masters weekend, and I'll catch you back next week. Cliffcentral.com.